akbar Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Hayya ala salam Hayya ala salam Hayya ala al-falah Hayya ala Allahu Akbar La ilaha illallah Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد نصركم الله ببدر وأنتم أذلة فاتقوا الله لعلكم تشكرون صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاكرين والشاهدين والحمد لله رب العالمين Beloved elders and brothers الحمد لله through the grace of Allah سبحانه وتعالى we find ourselves in the month of Ramadan and this is the month which was the distinguishing factor between truth and falsehood. Because it was in this month which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed the Qur'an-i Majeed. And the Qur'an-i Majeed came to distinguish between falsehood and the truth. And in this month also, the famous battle of Badr, which is known as Yawmul Furqan, that day in which a distinguished a, a, a distinction was made between Haqq and Batil had also taken place in this month. We find ourselves in the 13th of Ramadan, 1443. So 1441 years ago, on the 12th of Ramadan, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, along with 313 glorious Sahaba radiallahu an, they had set out from Medina Munawwara with the intention of raiding the caravan of Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan's caravan 
with all the goods of the Quraysh was returning from Syria. And in that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had now given Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa the command that now they should engage and they should engage the Quraysh in this way by recovering the goods which were taken away from them in the 13 long years of persecution in Makkah, Mukarramah. So, so to say it was like guerrilla warfare. They would go out and attack the caravans of the Quraysh and in this way recover the goods which were owed to them. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa set out with this intention and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had other plans for them. Abu Sufyan got wind that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and the sahaba are coming out to meet this caravan. So he sends a messenger to Makkah Mukarramah informing him of the intention of the Muslims. And immediately Abu Jahal and the leaders of the Quraysh prepare an army of a thousand strong and they leave Makkah Mukarramah to meet this Muslim, this small Muslim contingent of only 313 Sahaba. And this was such that there was no compulsion in taking, in taking part in this expedition because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the intention was only to raid the caravan. They hadn't intended to go out in battle, to go out in battle. However, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's plan had it that now they will have to face the Quraysh of Makkah in battle. Sahaba radiallahu anh, only 313 and only 70 camels between them and two horses. One belonging to Zubair bin Awam and the other, Mikdad radiallahu So this is the first lesson that we can learn from the battle of Badr. That at times you will make plans, you will have an intention to do something. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do something else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan is something else. Wa makaru wa Allah. So they had intended only to go out for this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that takbir had it, that now they will face the Quraysh in battle. So this is the first lesson that we can learn from the battle of Badr. That we sometimes will carry out certain things, we have an intention to do something. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan will sometimes override all of that. And what is our duty in that? Our duty is to be happy with the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first lesson we can learn from the battle of Badr. Then we look at Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa now as he leaves and he, and he gets news that the Quraysh of Makkah are coming with a thousand strong force. So immediately what does Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa do? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sits to the sahaba radiallahu anh and he makes mashwara. Look at the importance of mashwara. This is the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa who is every action is only with the command of Allah. Every word of his is only what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants him to speak. But yet he is making mashwara with his sahaba radiallahu anh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Majid, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Commanding Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that consult them in your matters. So this is a very important lesson for us that as juniors we consult with our seniors because they have seen life, they have experience. Whatever decision we are making, consult with them. And as seniors, we consult with our juniors. Because at times, sometimes a senior might miss something which a junior has picked up. So this is the importance of mashwara. Even in a family, there's any decision to be made. Make mashwara, take the opinion of the whole family. At the end of the day, the father is the amir of the home. He will make the final decision. But take everyone's opinion, take everyone's right, and in that way make a decision. So this is what Nabi wasallam is teaching us. And Nabi wasallam did not make mashwara only once. But thrice he made mashwara with the sahaba radiallahu anh, that what do you feel we should do? And the sahaba radiallahu anh gave the assurance that let's go out and meet the Quraysh in battle. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very pleased at this. That the sahaba radiallahu anh told Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we will not say what Musa alayhi wa sallam said, that you and your Allah go and fight the enemy. 
but rather we will fight in front of you, we will fight behind you, we will fight on the left and we will fight on the right. So this was what the Sahaba radiallahu anh had said, that we will show our loyalty, our obedience, our love to you, O Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is another lesson that we can learn. What is our level of obedience to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam? What is our level of obedience to his sunnah? What is our level? This was the Sahaba radiallahu This is what they gave to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is a lesson that we can take. They let us be obedient. Let us show loyalty to our Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then when they reach a place called Bir Abi Inaba, now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam assesses the ranks of the Sahaba and all those youngsters amongst them, he sends them back to Medina Munawwara. But amongst these youngsters was a Sahabi by the name of Umair bin Abi Waqqas, the brother of the famous Sahabi Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas radiallahu anh. And Hazrat Umair radiallahu anh is now ducking between the ranks of the Sahaba. So his brother Sa'ad catches sight of him and he tells him, Oh Umair, what are you doing? He says, no, I am ducking so that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa does not see me. Perhaps I will participate in Badr and I will gain shahadat in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa spots Umair radiallahu anh. He calls him forward. He says that you will have to return to Medina Tayyibah. We look at the response of the Sahabi. Umair radiallahu anh bursts out crying. So to say, having a tantrum that I want to fight in the path of Allah. Nowadays, unfortunately, our youth They'll be throwing a tantrum why they can't go out with their friends or why they can't get this privilege or that privilege. This is a lesson for us that encourage your youth to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Encourage your youth to help in the time of need. So Hazrat Umair radiallahu anh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa looking at his condition, he permits him and he takes part in the battle of Badr. And from amongst those special Badri shuhada, those special martyrs of Badr, was Hazrat Umay bin Abi Waqqas. And what was his age? Only 16 years old. 16 years old, he's a Badri, he's a Badri shaheed. Imagine his rank in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that we need to inculcate and encourage our youth to be, to strive in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To strive for this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it wasn't for their striving, you and I would not be sitting here today. So this is such an important lesson we can learn from there. Then we find that now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Sahaba radiallahu an, by the time they reach Badr, the Kuffar had already reached there. And they had taken the firm ground, the better ground, the higher ground. Whereas the Sahaba radiallahu an, they had to settle for the soft ground. And in that ground also, there were many holes in that ground. But when you are on the truth, when you are on the haq, when your loyalty is to Allah and His Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then Allah will make the systems work for you. That night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it such that heavy rains come down and that hard ground turns to soft ground. And the soft ground turns to hard ground. And all those holes in that land where the Sahaba radiallahu anh were positioned fills up with water. And that becomes a water source for the Sahaba radiallahu anh. For which they could drink water, for which they could make their wudu, etc. So look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nusrat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help comes when you show your loyalty to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then we find that that night, Ali radiallahu anh says, now imagine you're only 313 men, you're fighting an army of a thousand strong. How anxious you'll be, how worried you'll be that what will be our condition tomorrow? So ill-equipped we are. We are. But Ali radiallahu anh says that every single one of us slept that night. Except Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Every single one of us slept that night. And we slept so well that it was Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa at the time of Fajr who was coming and waking the Sahaba radiallahu anh up. 
and telling them now it's time for salah. So just imagine the sukoon, the peace Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given them the night before this great battle. Then in the morning, now look at the kindness, the generosity of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Friday the 17th of Ramadan. What a Mubarak day. We should all remember this day. The Sahaba radiallahu anh performed the Fajr Salah. And then look at the kindness of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They are about to fight this enemy. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allows them to come and drink from the water source. Look at the kindness of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the enemy you are about to fight. You could be crushed. You don't know what's the outcome. But yet his generosity, his kindness knew no, no bounds. He tells them they are allowed to come and take from this water source. So this is another lesson that we can learn. No matter what, a Muslim is always ready to give. No matter what, he's always ready to give. And mashallah, even this week with the recent floods, the next morning, I just observed around who were the people on the streets. And alhamdulillah, in our area, it was only Muslims you could see. It was only Muslims you could see. Now what is this? This is the Iman talking. That a Muslim knows that whatever I do now, I'll be rewarded for it in the akhir. So this is that Iman. So now... Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allows them to drink from that water. And then, now in the battle of, and, and, and the night prior to that, sorry, the night prior to that, very important lesson we can all learn from this, is the power of dua. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that entire night, while the sahaba radiallahu had slept, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was begging and crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was begging and crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, oh Allah, grant us victory. If we are defeated, who will worship you after this? So this is, what an important lesson we can learn. Many a time we face some difficulty, some challenge. Each and every one of us should introspect. What's the first thing we do? Take a simple thing. We're experiencing a headache. What's the first thing we'll do? Reach out for two panados. But what's the thing a Muslim is supposed to do? First thing, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, I'm experiencing this, grant me shifa. Yes, then adopt the means. But first, where does your mind go? Does it go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or does it go to the means? So this is something we should all try and bring into our lives, that whatever we are facing, first turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We find the example of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sahaba radiallahu anh, whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, two rakats of salah. First thing, two rakats of salah, and then they begin Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So similarly with us, whatever difficulty, for example, even when those rains had come down, what was the best thing that we could have done? First thing, engage in two rakat salah and implore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. So this is a very important aspect, the power of dua. And this is a weapon of a believer. Dua is a weapon of, of a believer. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, dua mukhul ibadah. That dua is an essence of ibadah. So, so important, let us bring this into our lives, especially in the month of Ramadan, that month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just wants to forgive. To such an extent, that that person who does not attain forgiveness in the month of Ramadan, then he has got the curse of Jibreel and the Amin of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to forgive us. So this is the power of dua. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam led by example and taught us that how he engaged in dua the night before the battle of Badr. Then, now on the 17th morning, that Friday, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam arranges the ranks of the Sahaba. And in those days it was a custom whenever a battle would commence, then first there would be those jewels, one-on-one -on -one battle, to see who will have the upper hand going into the battle. Now look at even in this, in this aspect, look at the three Sahaba radiallahu anh, that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam chose. One was Ubaidah bin Harith radiallahu anh, Hazrat Ali radiallahu anh, Hazrat Hamza radiallahu anh. Hazrat Ali radiallahu anh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's first cousin. As though he was like his son, so close to him, his son-in-law. But he chose his own family member, you go forward. 
And then Hazrat Hamza radiallahu an, he saw this brother close, close to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in family. He puts his family first. That you go out in that jewel. Knowing full well that in those jewels it was such, you, you are either alive or dead. There's no coming back from there. But this is another lesson we learn. That put yourself forward. Put your family members forward. You go forward yourself. Don't let others go and know we'll stand in the back. Be prepared to put yourself forward. This is obviously the, uh, Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu, Hazrat Hamza radiallahu anhu, they overpower their opponent. And then they go and help Hazrat Ubaidah radiallahu anhu. And in that way now the Muslims have the momentum going into the battle. And then when the battle commences, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam picks up a handful of soil. And he throws that soil at them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in the Qur'an in Majeeb, وَمَا رَمَيْتَ إِذْ رَمَيْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ رَمَا That you did not throw when you threw. But it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who threw. What it means, that that help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was in that small handful of soil. To such an extent, that that thousand strong army, every single one of them, it affected their eyes and gave them a form of blindness. And in this way, the Muslims now had the momentum going into the battle. But as I said, when you are on the haq, when you are loyal to Allah and His Nabi, then the help will come from unseen sources. Now just imagine the Sahaba radiallahu anhu attacking, and behind them Jibreel alayhi salam on one wing with a thousand strong malaika. Then Mikail alayhi salam on the other wing with a thousand strong malaika. Israfil alayhi salam also the, uh, with another thousand strong. So first a thousand, then three thousand, and then five thousand malaika also came to assist the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Can you imagine what it must have been for those kuffar looking at men on horses flying at you? They were terrified. But this is when you are loyal to Allah and His Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help will come to you. And in this way now, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu had managed to overpower the kuffar, a thousand strong army, only 313 Sahaba. And one may ask that why only 70 were killed from the kuffar? But... Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had instructed the sahaba that many of these kuffar who had come, they didn't really want to fight you all. A lot of them were family, Banu Hashim, etc. So, as, as much as you can, can try and capture them alive. So this is one of the hikmahs and the reasons why so many of them were not killed. So 70 of them were killed and 70 were, ki- were, were taken captive. Now, once the battle is over and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sahaba radiallahu anhu are assessing the situation, and then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sends Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an to look for Abu Jahl. And when he finds Abu Jahl, he's in his last stages of death. And even in that stage, even in that stage when he's about to leave this world, he still had pride. Even in that, at that time, he tells Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent you of all people to kill me. You of all people, such a lonely person. And then on top of that, he tells him that when you chop in my head off, Chop it slightly lower so that my head can be the he- above the head of all the others. Even in that situation, look at that pride. And then obviously Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an finishes him off. So this is the end result of a person who is proud. Generally, when a person shows pride, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always bring disgrace to you. And generally, a proud person in this world, the disgrace comes. So this is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect one and all from. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from any form of pride. That person who has an absence weight of pride in his heart will not enter Jannah. So very important, we stay away from pride. Then, now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is assessing the captives and amongst them is Hazrat Abbas radiallahu anh, the uncle of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa So again, Nabi sallallahu now makes mashwara with the sahaba radiallahu anh. What do you feel we do with the captives? So three times Hazrat Umar radiallahu anh said that we should slaughter them all. 
And he even went to this extent to say that each Muslim should slaughter the closest family member on his, on, 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 from the side of the kuffar. And Hazrat Abu Bakr gives mashwara to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that no, spare their lives, let's take ransom. The command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had come down that you should have followed the, 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 the mashwara of Hazrat Umar radiallahu anh. But even in this, because they made mashwara, then there's hikmat in that. There is some barakah, some blessing in that. Because of those captives, Hazrat Zaid bin, Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit radiallahu anh then learns the language of Hebrew and then he was a means of communication with the Jews. So this is sometimes some of the hikmats in mashwara that outwardly it might seem that it was the wrong decision. But in the long run, there is some barakah in it. A pious person once said, that person who makes istikhara will never fail. And the person who makes mashwara will never regret. So outwardly sometimes you might find that the decision seemed like a wrong decision. But in that there is barakah, in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved you from something greater. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then distributes the captives of Badr amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anh. And again, look at the instructions of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that treat them kindly. And then the Sahaba radiallahu anh, known for their treatment and known for their generosity, etc. They went to such an extent that the Sahaba radiallahu anh, before they would partake of the meals, they would make sure the captives ate first. And at times they would go hungry, but those captives must eat first. So this is a Muslim. No matter what, he is always ready to help. He is always generous. He is always ready to give. And this is such an important thing. Kindness. Generally, ulama say a person uh, enters Jannah due to two things. One is taqwa. Fear, restraint for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second is kindness. We look at that incident in all the Hadith Sharif kitabs, we find it of that loose woman who had taken out her shoe, she lowered it into a well, and she fed that dog. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted her hidayat, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted her jannah. Simple action like that. So kindness, especially in this time, wherever we can help, get the youngsters involved also. Whatever it may be, whatever help we can render to those who are affected, Muslim or non-Muslim, try and help them out with this intention that we are following the command of our Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then, just to touch on the recent events, etc. And some of the things that we can do. One is, those who are assisting Mubarak to them. They have gained great reward in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them ikhlas, sincerity. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the efforts of one and all who have helped in any way possible. So that's the first thing. Then the second is, we make ruju to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For a pious person, then... It is a means of his sins being uh, wiped out. And it is a means of his daraja, his levels being increased. And for a sinful person, it could be a punishment. But as well, it is also a wake-up call from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَنُذِيقَنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَدْنَى دُونَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَكْبَرِ That we will make you taste a small form of punishment before the big punishment. So this is a wake-up call that now... Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He showed us His power. Whether you're living in a high building, whether you're living low line, whatever it may be. If you are living high up, you are worried your foundation mustn't come out. If you are living low down, you are worried a bank mustn't fall on you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us His power. No matter who you are, what you are, how you love, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in complete control. So that's the first thing that we make ruju to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we exercise sabr on what has happened. We exercise sabr, we are patient. We don't say anything which will be displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, another thing is give hope. 
Give hope to people. Don't be gloom and doom. No, now this weekend is coming, another storm, etc. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He removes it. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects us from it. We give hope to people, encourage them, etc. Don't be negative all the time and try and be productive. Wherever you can help out, whatever you can do, be productive. Then, abundant sadaqah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said in a hadith that sadaqah wards of calamities. So give abundant sadaqah, even though we're in difficulty, give abundant sadaqah, especially now in the month of Ramadan when rewards are multifold. So give abundant sadaqah, it will ward off the calamities, it will ward off difficulties, etc. And lastly, we should all try and recite this masnoon dua. For whatever loss has occurred, Allahumma ajurni fi musibati wa akhlifli khayram minha. That oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reward me in this difficulty of mine, and grant me much better than it. Grant me much better than it. Hazrat Ummu Salama radiallahu an, when she lost her husband Abu Salama, so she said she thought to herself, that who can ever replace my husband? Irreplaceable. I can never get someone else. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had instructed me that you recite this dua. So she said I had yakin in the dua of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I recited it. And who did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give her after that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made her azwaj mutahharat. Today we all follow our beloved mother, the respected wife of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replaced her. So let us all try and learn this dua. And if someone does not know it, then come and ask those who know it. Come and ask them if you wanted to have it written out, no problem. In this way we will be making amal on the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant us far better inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.